Nice night for a walk, eh? Nice night for a walk. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? Nothing clean, right. Hey, I think this guy's a couple cans short of a six-pack. You're close. Give them to me. Now. Fuck you, asshole. Sarah Connor. Once again, Sarah Connor, 35, mother of two, brutally shot to death in her home this afternoon. You're dead, honey. Come with me if you want to live. I'm Reese, Sergeant Tetcom, BN38416, assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. How could that man just get up after you did? not a man, machine, terminator. Cyberdyne Systems Model 101. The Terminator's an infiltration unit. Part man, part machine. Underneath, it's a hyper-alloy combat chassis. Microprocessor controlled. Fully armored. Very tough. But outside, it's living human tissue. Flesh, skin, hair, blood grown for the cyborgs. Look, Reese, I don't know what you want Pay attention! The 600 series had rubber skin. We spotted them easy, but these are new. They look human. Sweat, bad breath, everything. Very hard to spot. I am not stupid, you know. They cannot make things like that yet. Listen and understand that Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. Hi, I'm Deborah Voorhees. I play Tina in Friday the 13th, Part 5, and you are listening to Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to the Hysteria Continues, um, episode 106. And this time we're going to be covering another uh, controversial pick, another listener pick, uh, the 1984 action slasher, question mark, uh, movie The Terminator. Um, but um, we... Eric is back in the Turkish prison, so he's not joining us. Well, he is going to join us. He's smuggled out a couple of little MP3s of his um, thoughts on the film and the joke of the week, so we're not Ericless, but we are um, Johnny Full. Is that the right thing to say, Johnny? I don't know, but we have Johnny Krug joining us again, and we're very pleased to have him back on the show. Uh, Johnny, how are you doing at 6 a.m.? I'm awesome. I'm stoked to be on here. Uh, I'm just going to talk about Toya for a while and I'll fill in Eric's little spot. <laughs> well, we can always edit that bit out, but thank you, Johnny. Um, <laughs> just like I do with Eric's um, things. He's, he never listens back to the show. So every time he says anything about Toya, I kind of edit it out. Um, I don't really. But uh, no, great to have you with us, Johnny. Um, and we're going to be talking about the film a little bit later. But uh, uh, Nathan, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's just a shame that in 14 years, Los Angeles is going to be a wasteland, apparently. Yes, yes, that is, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to talk a, a little bit about that uh, later. But um, Joseph, are you are you worried about uh, the future? Well, Los Angeles is a wasteland right now. Well, there you go, yes. it's uh, We're going to be talking about um, the Terminator and Skynet and all that uh, malarkey a little bit later. Who Whose pick was this? Uh, this is Michael Alishan, uh, one of his many, many picks. Okay, yes, and we said, have we said, we have said that um, the the next picks, and the next pick um, is going to be Nathan is picking from uh, listener picks, 
and um, it's going to be uh, well. It's going to be a slasher movie. It's going to be a slasher movie for a start. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and we've got going to have some quite. Uh, we're, we're going back into maybe a slightly more orthodox uh, slasherdom for the, the next few picks, at, at least after after Sightseers and Terminator are arguably not well probably not slasher movies but um we're going to talk about whether or not we can justify it as a slasher movie and i think it's gonna be a fun podcast so thanks for joining us but in time on a tradition uh well let's talk a little bit about what we've been watching recently so johnny as a guest of the week um have you seen anything of note i think i saw you um mentioning you've seen the editor which i did i, I finally checked it out and it's one of those movies that um a- after hearing about it and and just seeing the trailer a while back i had such high hopes for and it was awesome. I loved it. I uh, it, to me, it was just it was the probably one of the most perfect non-Giallo Giallos. Like I know it was supposed to be more of like an, an homage and a comedy, but it it was so well done. And uh, and I know Joseph just watched it. Have you all seen it? I've not seen it. No. Is it on? Is it? Where's it out at the moment? It, it just came out this week from Scream Factory. On okay. I think it came out last Tuesday. Okay. Cool. Okay. So it's definitely worth picking up. I think it's mm. it's just a phenomenal movie. Is it set in the seventies or is it set? It in is. Monday? It is okay, and they, they do a good. Is it like a decent budget, and they do a good job with it? Yeah, it's really awesome. In fact, if you do get the the Blu-ray, or it, it, there's a, like an hour long making of, and they talk about how they conserved cost and all the stuff they did. It's really pretty awesome. Okay, and is it um, made in Italy as well, or? No, I think it's still filmed in Canada because I think all the filmmakers are from Canada. Okay, okay, all right, right. interesting. I, I know um, Patrick from Screen Queens uh, sent me a link and said that I'd really enjoy it. So it's one I will, I will get to watch um, eventually when I can find a way of watching it over, over this a legal way to watch it over here. So, um, <laughs> so I don't know if it'll be out on Netflix or anything soon, but um, but I look forward to watching it. Um, and Joseph, what did you you think of the editor? Oh, uh, I absolutely loved this film. It's probably one of my favorites this year. Uh, what it does, it kind of, I mean, the first 45 to 50 minutes is is pretty much a standard, you know, giallo. Um, I mean, they, they wallow in every trope imaginable. You know, the men are men, the women are women, and uh, there's, you know, lots of cigarettes and slapping women and uh, a, a lunky inspector just kind of bumbling around looking for the killer. Lots of, you know, typical jalo uh, shots and stuff like that. Lots of gore, um, you know, the black gloves, everything you can think of. The uh, p- the period design is just really well done. But, you know, towards the last the latter part, it starts to, you know, kind of wink at the audience, as it were. Um, kind of turning into almost a naked gun type parody of the Jalo film. And, you know, that may put some people off, but I, I found it to be very clever. It's just really well done. It's, it's so enjoyable. Um, great performances, you know, bad dubbing, uh, just everything you'd expect from a, a Jalo. I mean, everyone's remake, everyone's making like throwback slasher films these days. So it, it's kind of, Odd that it took them this long to do a throwback, you know, a Jalo film, but it's uh, it's just really, really very, just it's just so good. I loved it. Um, you know, not to get into spoiler territory, and uh, I'll try to be as vague as possible. But my absolute favorite part of the entire movie is when the when the killer is is revealed. Um, well, as an aside, uh, the killer's pretty easy to guess who it, who's doing it, but when the killer is revealed, um, I try not to spoil this, but uh, the uh, <laughs> 
the detective, the detective is pretty much, you know, had his sights set on one particular character in kind of like a tunnel, narrow vision, the whole movie. And then when the killers were filled, he's like, it's been you all along. I knew it. <laughs> I love that. It's, but yeah, it it's felt just, to me like they'd seen every Giallo ever, not even yeah. Giallo, like every Italian horror movie from the 70s ever made. Because it had throwbacks to like the Beyond, Suspiria, and, and even – and then those are you know just the ones aside from the regular straightforward Giallo movies. Yeah, even questionable stuff like Hitchhike. I mean that was referenced, Suspiria, Inferno. I mean it, it's all in there. It's just – it's such a wonderful movie. Um, I can't recommend it enough. So the killer is basically who the detective suspects during the whole movie. Oh, no. No, no. It, right. It's funny because he suspects one person and he's so like, you know, he's narrow minded about it. But when the actual killer is revealed, he's like, oh, I knew it was you okay. all along. Okay. I thought you were saying that the person he suspected was the killer. And I'm like, no, 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 no. All right. Okay. Well, the, soundtrack, anyway, the soundtrack's brilliant, too. Yeah. The, the sound design, the production design, the, the vivid colors. I mean, I just can't recommend it enough. I definitely. Just so is it a horror movie, movie or a comedy? It's both. And it's okay. extremely extremely violent and gory. So, you know, you get your fix. Lots of typical jello stalking and killing. And, I mean, yeah, definitely top five material this year so far. Cool. Okay, well, that sounds uh, – well, that's a definite, definite recommend. Um, Nathan, I'd obviously I take it from what you said. You haven't seen it yet. No. No. Okay, right. Well, thank you. Um, Johnny, is there anything else? Uh, the only other thing I watched uh, yesterday, I checked out Takashi Miike's movie *The Lesson of the Evil* from 2012, mm. and that was another movie that it's rare that I throw on two newer movies and they both kind of blow me away. But uh, this was one of the best Takashi Miike movies I've seen in a long time, and it, it's about a uh, teacher at the school who the movie starts off and he's like a really nice guy, but. It, you can tell something's a little bit off, and as the movie goes on, you find out it's almost like a stepfather situation where he keeps moving around and bad stuff's happening everywhere he goes. And in the last like 45 minutes of the movie, it goes completely insane. And it's like fun. It's like winking at the audience in in a way, because there's like, I I don't want to spoil anything, but there's, there's like really sappy music playing while someone's going on a really horrendous killing spree. And it's just, it's, it was a lot of fun. Okay, I haven't seen any of his films for a while, actually, because obviously he he kind of flits around different genres, genres, doesn't he? And he, I think he was very prolific for a while, wasn't he? Sort of pumping out lots of movies uh, all, all of the time. But um, the ones I have seen have been quite quite interesting because he did audition, didn't he? And um, I don't remember the other ones he he's done, but he's done quite a, a lot of different stuff. A lot of his, even some of his non horror stuff's really excellent. Like Happiness of the Catacuries was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Are you? But, uh, about- have you, anybody has anybody else seen uh, Lesson of the Evil? No, I've not seen it. What no, about- not yet. But I, I definitely want to check it out. I recommend it because I said I, I, it's like a two-hour, fifteen-minute movie, and the first hour is pretty straightforward. Um, there's, it's not really silly or anything. It's, it's a lot of like pretty dark stuff. But once it gets to the, the crazy stuff, it goes off the rails. It's kind of like the editor in a way. Sounds like. Yeah, and in fact, watching both of them back to back was uh, it was just very satisfying. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, that sounds another good recommend. So hopefully, we'll see. Hopefully, well, let's find out if there's been any bad movies we've been watching. Um, Nathan, how about you? What you've been watching? Um, I watched one uh, newer one called Dark Was the Night. Mm. 
Um, it's it's kind of a creature feature about a, a small town. Um, there's this like creature in the woods menacing the people in the town. Um, I really don't know. I can't. I don't know if I'd recommend it. I mean, it's 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 not a bad movie. Um, but I don't like films where, and I'm really trying to be vague as well about spoilers, but. I don't like movies where you never really get the sense that any major character is in danger. Hmm. It just kind of feels like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, there's no really like, um, you know, intensity or anything like, Oh, you know, uh, I wonder who will die next or anything like that. It's, it's just very ho-hum to me when it comes to the killings. And I could not forgive it for the end. Um, and this isn't really a spoiler, uh, but if you have like a huge group of people gathered inside a church to battle the creature, and you uh, and you like isolate all all but two, and just let two people go after the creature, and all these other people are like not even to add to the body count, what a waste! Mm. <laughs> I mean, um, Grant Grant didn't like it. So is that, that's a new new film, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else seen that, Joseph or Johnny? Yeah, I saw it. Um, I thought it was, you know, just kind of by the numbers. It was okay. I thought Kevin Durand in the lead role was really good. But, you know, the problem I have with it is that they keep the creature kind of hidden for most of the part, for the most part. And I, and I like that. But when they reveal the creature, it's just very terrible CGI and it kind of ruins it. Mm. I don't really remember much else about it, but uh, I just thought it was just kind of mediocre. Okay. He says it's called Evil is the Night. Dark was the night. Oh, Dark is the Night. Oh, no. I haven't seen the movie. Uh, it's my favorite Billy Squire song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. Stroke me, stroke me. Well, he has okay, a song called, he has a song called Lonely is the Night. And I don't know. <laughs> it seemed like I, don't, I, don't know any, I don't know anything about music. I mean, I know the songs, but I don't know singers. <laughs> no, I haven't seen it, though. It, it sounds pretty interesting, but once you guys talk about the ending, it sounds like something that I wouldn't really get into. It's it's just like Joseph. It's very like by the numbers, um, all the way up to the last final shot, which I guess was supposed to be kind of a shock ending. I think you even could see that coming. Okay, so so we've broken our clear run of recommends. <laughs> Unfortunately, which is yes. Fair enough, which is but fair I enough. recommend the next one. Yes. Well, what is the next one? I went and saw The Visit mm, okay. by M. Night Shyamalan. I hope I said that right. Um. You know, I'm sure everybody listening has at least seen the previews for this movie. The two children go visit their grandparents, and the grandparents are uh, a little creepy at first, and then it gets weirder and weirder um, until the kids realize they're in danger. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I mean, it's not a groundbreaking film or anything. It's, you know, I think it's a typical, you know, like, um, you know, the tropes that you might expect from M. Night. you know, and because everybody expects a twist. I mean, you know, if you're looking at his movies, like almost plenty of them have like twists in them at some point. But um, I really liked it. I liked the performances by the grandparents. I thought the film had some really good creepy scenes and some funny scenes. Um, I would highly recommend it, actually. Okay. Okay. Because is it? Um, is I mean, he's he's had um, not exactly a string of successes. I'm really, I, I, I thought Signs was okay, and that's about it for me. So this is probably my favorite from him. 
Okay, okay. Because I know it's a, it's kind of relatively low budget, isn't it? Because a lot of these other films have been quite big budget films, which have kind of bombed. Maybe um, you should stick to low budget. Hmm. Okay. What about um, Joseph? You caught it as well, didn't you? Yeah. I, um. I I liked The Sixth Sense. Um. I loved Unbreakable, but after that, I I I've not really liked anything he's done. So you know, I I went in this with like low low expectations, but I actually kind of enjoyed it. It's it's really predictable. I mean, anyone who's anyone could probably predict what's going to happen or what the uh, quote unquote twist is going to be. Um, but you know, it's a it's a, a low budget found footage movie. It, it you know, which is kind of t- a tired you know trope right now. But you know, he injects a little bit of life into it. Some good performances, some good you know creep scenes. Uh, you know, nothing groundbreaking, nothing I'd want to like rush out and see again. But you know, a marginal recommendation for me at least. Okay. Definitely, definitely his uh, best film in a while, I'd say. Cool. Well, what about you, Johnny? If you did, you catch it? Yeah. No, I um, I'm very hesitant to watch anything M Night Shyamalan. I I did like Unbreakable, and I would say everything everything else I really didn't care for except for the one movie he didn't direct but he wrote, and I it was The Devil, and I love yeah, Devil. Yeah, that's a good one. Devil's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a pretty good movie, but I, when I saw his back helming the movie, I was like, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'll have to check it out because, I mean, you guys are recommending it. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, I think it's a, it was, it was fun. Well, I mean, you got to be careful, Johnny. Nathan recommends, uh, you know, <laughs> Terror at Ten Killer. So, yes, we all <laughs> well, have to be careful. I'm not ashamed of it either. Mm. But anything else you've seen, uh, Nathan? The only other um, thing that I saw was the trailer for Krampus, and I am mm. unbelievably excited to see this film. I will be there opening night. That's all I have to say about that. I hope it does well. Yeah, me too. Good, I'm it? very. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm quite, really looking forward to that one as well. Yeah, it's got, it's quite got a great unusual cast. cast, isn't it? The cast yeah. is quite unusual for a horror film. Very yeah, comedic. Horror comedy. Mm. So uh, yeah, okay. Well, that's that all sounds that sounds good. So thank you, Nathan and Joseph. How about you? Anything else? Uh, well, the only other thing I've seen um, was uh, the Slasher Studios film Dismembering Christmas. Mm. Oh yeah, uh, which um, I, I'm I'm going to be honest. I don't, I didn't like it really at all. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a low budget film. You got to give allowances for uh, you know some very very shoddy sound work done here, which just felt like it was rushed together. Some of the cinematography is really good. I was really shocked at how good it was. Um, there's some really good, you know, moments where you know, like they first show the killer. Uh, there's like a kind of a, almost it's hard to explain. There's like a wailing or a crying on the soundtrack when they kind of do this tracking shot down these stairs and they reveal who they reveal. They don't reveal who the killer is, but uh, they they reveal the actual murderer. I thought that was really well done. But oh my God, this. This is one of those movies where every single character looks exactly the same, and they are all just so boring. I didn't care. I mean, they're not obnoxious or unlikable. They're either, you know fairly likable, I'd say you were, but they're just people that I would have nothing in common with. I found them just so dull. I didn't care anything about them. It's just a... I don't know. It's just a slog to get through. I mean, I, I really kind of appreciated, you know, Don't Go to the Reunion, the film they did before. Uh, but, you know, if I'm honest, I, I think this was a step down, maybe not technical, technically. I mean, because some of the cinematog- cinematography is just, you know, wonderful. But uh, I don't know. It just felt kind of rushed, especially, you know, with the sound design and just the story and characters I didn't care about. There is one moment. I don't want to really get into spoilers, but uh, well, actually, there's a couple of moments pertaining to the death scenes that are just kind of 
you know, ridiculous that I got a, you know, a good chuckle out of. But uh, I don't know. This was a pretty big disappointment for me, if I, I'm afraid. Hmm. Okay. Well, controversial. What about Nathan? Have you seen it? I have seen it. And what did you think? Um, I think Joseph probably disliked it more than I, than I did. Um, and, and like Joseph said, you know, Joseph and I made a low-budget movie. And we know how difficult, you know, things can be. And, you know, we, we, we realize that. So, you know, I mean, I, I do kind of cut slack to people who made a low budget film. And I have to say, um, I also think that anybody that actually makes a, a, a film and, and gets it out there and, and gets it released. Um, I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. You know, no, and of course not everybody's going to like what you, what you make. I mean, not everybody liked not before Easter. <laughs> um, even but, I didn't like that movie. Yeah, Joseph <laughs> doesn't even like it. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I mean, uh, just for me as a viewer, just watching it, I can't say I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, I think for me, um, it, it's the characters. And, you know, Joseph and I took a lot of flack over that as well, over our characters. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, saying that, oh, you know, our movie was just so much better. I'm like, not saying that at all. I'm just saying that as a viewer, I, I just didn't really get into the characters much either. I just thought, eh, whatever, let's just get to the killings, you know. Um, and, you know, the killings, there are some originality in, in the killings. Um, and like Joseph said, I did get a really huge laugh out of the one involving um, a wreath. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. <laughs> it involves a Christmas wreath, and it's yeah. one of probably the most ridiculous deaths I've ever seen on celluloid. And you've seen a lot of ridiculous deaths. Yes, I have. And this is right up there with one, with with uh, those. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and the killer uh, ultimately it, I, it was just very predictable. And um, but I will say it, had, it did, like Joseph said, it has great camera work. The mm. camera work was very good for a low budget film. So you know, uh, kudos for that. But overall, I'm just. I don't know. I just I, I wasn't as in, uh, very impressed. And like Joseph said, I, I prefer their first film. Right. Well, Johnny, do, you've not seen it yet, have you? No, I haven't had a chance to check it out. I, I did like uh, the first film they did. Mm. My problem is, and I don't mean this in any kind of like horribly negative way, but um, I really like the guys at Slasher Studios, but I feel like it's been – so much time with everything surrounding the film with like promotion and like um, art and stuff that maybe the, f the film takes kind of a backseat to the actual um, advertising and merchandising. Yeah. I get that feeling a lot as well. I mean, no offense to Kevin and the gang over there. Oh, I mean, not they're, at very all, nice, yeah. they're very nice guys and, uh, and all, but I don't know. It just feels like they, uh, well, for, for this movie, at least they, they spent more time, you know, creating posters and, you know, getting Blu-rays done than they actually did on production of the film. It just feels very rushed, so it's kind of disappointing. They probably they're rented very, the cabin, and they're, that they're made very good rushed. at branding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're good marketing. They're a good marketing team. I, I'll give them that. I, I think that um, you know, like I don't want to come off like I'm just hating on a low budget film. You know, reviewing it, but I mean, Joseph and I even told people if you hate our film, just say it. I mean. We don't. I mean, uh, I don't think it's it's helpful to to not offer constructive criticism. Mm. No, well, that's that's fair enough. But I would say that I'm probably a little bit of dissenting voice because I actually I enjoyed the film probably a lot more than um, it seems that either of you did. I 
I thought um, it had its problems, which were, you know, I think the sound um, was very indistinct at times and um, the, the, the voice levels were all over the place, so sometimes you had to struggle to hear what characters were saying. But I agree, the cinematography was, was fantastic. It was for a low-budget movie, it was, it was really, really good. And there was a couple of standout scenes. One is a kind of the, panning, the camera panning around the kind of party in the, um, when they're, they're all drinking inside the cabin, what I thought was very, very well done. And another one was a jump scene where the killer appears behind somebody, which I thought was very effective and actually made me jump a lot. I actually liked, I liked some of the characters. I thought, um, obviously, with a low-budget movie, you're going to have a differing acting ability. But um, I especially liked, I think it was, uh, is it Leah Wiseman who played Emma? I thought she was, she's had a lot of charisma and um i think you know she could do i think she has been in some other things actually i think she was she was actually in um another film that we've we've covered which was the uh uh what was it dorchester's revenge mm-hmm. the um so i thought she was really good i i i liked i liked the film more than you guys i think um i think the the central mystery wasn't strong enough there wasn't really a surprise about who the killer was and that was a shame um, but um, I appreciated, uh, you know, considering how little money they had, it, it looked looked great, um, and I thought it was effective. It's quite a sh- short movie. I think it was only what seventy six minutes or something. Um, the ending, I think, was a, is a bit too rushed. They could have spent another five or ten minutes on the ending, and then I, I would have liked it even better. But, but you know, I appreciate the you know what they're doing, and um, and appreciate them obviously the, the guys there. Andrew sending us a, a screener link, so um, you know it's a it's a thumbs up from me um, with with reservations. But um, I think out of the three of us, I think I, I liked it a lot more. Yeah, and I, I want to say I didn't I didn't like dislike it. To me, it's kind of like a five out of ten, where you know there, there, there's good parts, there's bad parts, and they just kind of balance each other out for me. Um, I would very much, especially with the improved camera work that they had on on this film. I'm like, um, you know, technically they they improved tremendously. So I, I'm I'm interested to see the next film they're going to come out with. Mm, okay, and I think it's from looking at IMDb that's actually it's going to get a general release as in to DVD and Blu-ray, I presume. But it's um, uh, maybe VOD. I'm not sure. On they're the they're Christmas. releasing it, you know, through their website. That's what they did with uh, Don't Go to the Reunion. Okay. Yeah, which is not I've not actually seen Don't Go to the Reunion yet. So I'd, I'd be interested in checking it out, but. Uh, but uh, but um, was that everything, Joseph? Or have you got anything else you want to mention? Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for this week. Okay, okay. Well, I've got. I was going to talk about dismembering Christmas. I, I did catch up with um, a girl walks home alone. I think is that the title? At midnight, a girl walks home alone at night. That's the one. Or at yeah. night, yeah, at night. Yeah, the Iranian vampire movie, which um, I, I I liked again with reservations, and I think you've you, we've talked about it, haven't we, before on the podcast. Yeah, Nathan and I went to see it at a screening, and Elijah Wood was there. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, not to not to just jump on your, uh, you know, your 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 diatribe, as it were. But uh, I don't know. I just found it. You know, aside from the great cinematography, I just found it kind of dull. I think it was kind of yeah. It was it was kind of like a it was almost like a. I mean, it's a very outdated term, but like a slacker um, vampire movie, wasn't it? It was. I, I liked it, and I, I. But I found it kind of hypnotic in a kind of slightly boring way. Um, it, you know, it, it's. It, I thought it was interesting in what it was doing, but um, uh, I, I don't know. It was kind of because it was all shot in California, wasn't it, with Iranian actors, or so it was. Um, 
because actually people I've spoken to said they couldn't work out how they could make a movie like that in, in Iran, um, you know, with nudity and, you know, violence and things like that. And so, so you know, I, I appreciated what they did, but, um, you know, overall it's certainly not going to be, it's not going to, um, it's not a party movie, is it? So, yeah. <laughs> not at all. No. And the only other thing, really, that I've been I've been playing, I've, I mentioned it last time, was the PlayStation 4 game Until Dawn, which I'm about halfway through now, um, and it's a kind of the slasher movie uh, sort of game, um, which is really good actually. I'm really enjoying it. So if if you if anyone does have a PlayStation 4 and they're they're on the fence about getting it, then um, I would I would recommend pick, picking it up. Um, apparently, there's there's quite a few slasher movie games. Apparently, there's a Friday Thirteenth game in development. Hey, um, uh, Justin, that cut out. What game did you say? Until I didn't dawn. hear you. Until dawn. Yes, I was reading about that. I'm excited. Yes, it's definitely worth playing. It's it's kind of um, it, it's one of those ones where it's kind of like a, almost like an interactive movie, but it does have enough in in there to so it, it feels like you're playing a game as well. Um, and so it's got it, it, from what I'm, from what I hear, it's gonna the choices you make in the game really do affect different things. So. Um, it, but it splits. It's controversially, it kind of splits away from the slasher um, uh, sort of story about halfway through into another type of horror trope, um, which I'm just about to get into at the moment. But yeah, that's worth worth seeing. But I was just saying, there's a Friday Thirteenth game in development um, as a game called Summer Camp, which um, another slasher movie game in development. I think there's another one as well. So the Friday the Thirteenth game, um, they said that you could play Jason as well, and you right, could be the okay. one killing the campers. Ooh, I'm gonna have to check that out. That interesting. I kind of, so, uh, I kind of peeked at uh, at Super NES myself. I'm not much of a gamer, but these actually sound like something I would like a lot. So. I would play Jason. I hope that doesn't make me sound like a psycho killer. Or something. <laughs> Only a little bit. But, um, <laughs> but I think the graphics are so good now yeah. that it actually feels quite seamless. That the you know the interactive bits and everything. And I mean, you do get to walk around and do stuff and explore and things like that so it's not like an interactive movie we're just pressing left and right you know, making decisions but it's it, it but it is kind of um uh, you know like a basically a slasher movie where you you play lots of different characters throughout you kind of it switches so the way it does it is quite clever because you've got like a couple in a cabin who've who've gone who have been who get chased by something and they don't know what it is um and then it cuts to like hayden panettiere or whatever her name is having a bath and then getting out of the bath someone's stolen the clothes and she's walking around in the towels whoop, whoop, i can get into that <laughs> and then it kind of carries so it carries on and then you have to make you kind of you have to make decisions and about um with characters that you kind of fall out with or or make pacts with and things like that and you have sometimes you have to choose which, which characters live and die and all that all those kind of things as a kind of subtle and sometimes not so subtle knock-on effect on on the action so uh yeah so i'm enjoying that but um yeah well that's that's that basically so um without eric here to tell us about uh, toya's latest um uh, movie which there is toya in a movie which was at fright fest so i'm sure eric's going to regale us with that when he finally sees it i can't remember what it's called isn't it like ah or something like something that? Something like that. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of something in her singing style. I think um, Johnny's supposed to be doing the Eric role this week, and he's he's kind of he's kind of slacking. So <laughs> Johnny, you haven't been bullied yet. Like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to come on to that, as it were. But um, but I think it's probably time to get on to the uh, well the, the movie of the week, which is the Terminator. And well, Joseph, 
Sorry. Were we going to talk about uh, West Craven oh, passing away? Oh, we were going away? to do a little West Craven oh, yes, we were, tribute. Of course. Yes, no. Um, we were obviously we had last time we recorded. I think um, uh, it was just before the sad news that West Craven had uh, passed away. So, in honour of the great man, we thought we'd have a just a little discussion about him and his films, um, and what are some of our favourite uh, films and sort of memories of, of uh, the films he did. So, um, who would like to go first? Um, I'll go okay. first. Okay. Um, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street, I think, is is um, an amazing film. Like the, it's it it really um, was an inventive film at the, at the time. I mean, I, I love it, um, and I, I love a lot of uh, Wes Craven's uh, you know early work. I love Last House on the Left, um, The Hills Have Eyes, and was he not amazing at coming up with titles? The Hills Have yes. Eyes, Last House on the Left, and Not on Elm Street. Those are awesome titles. Yeah, he he was a very good. He was very good, you know, titling movies. <laughs> I'd, I'd say certainly some of them were a little bit better than the actual movies themselves. But uh, uh, The Hills Have Eyes to me is just uh, one of his better films. I, I love that movie. Oh, yeah. Huge fan of it. Um, and you know, I mean, hey, The Birth of Freddy. If, I mean, and and I love his uh, made-for-TV work, which actually. And uh, I'm going to have to plug another podcast that I'm doing uh, with Amanda by night um, from Made for TV Mayhem. And she has uh, started her own Made for TV podcast. And the next episode is going to be covering Wes Craven Made for TV movies. And I watched one of those recently, which was um, Stranger in the House with Linda Blair. Have any of you seen that? Oh, yeah. No, I haven't no, seen I it yet. I have, actually. Oh, no. Joe, you need to watch it. It's like a from hell movie. Like um, her cousin moves into her house with her Linda Blair and her family and her cousins like a, a witch. And she starts like wrecking havoc on the family. Hmm, I'll check that out. It's it's really good. It's it's really fun. It's very I it a long time ago on Kruger Nation. Uh, I did like a Linda Blair episode and, and it was one of those movies I feel like nobody talks about. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, but I mean, yes. sorry, go on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, that's my, um, you know, what I wanted to say. Cool. Okay. What about uh, you, Johnny? What are your kind of memories, of, of favorite memories of Wes Craven? Well, as a kid, I saw a lot of uh, a lot of Wes Craven movies I probably shouldn't have seen at the time. But, um, of, of course, Nightmare on Elm Street was always a pretty impactful one. But other movies I saw at a pretty young age are kind of disturbing, like Last House on the Left and uh, Hills Have Eyes. And I get a little bit rapey. <laughs> but... Mm. but uh, I would say the one movie of his that for me is it's not talked about as much and it's one of I think it's probably in his top like three movies and that's the Serpent and the Rainbow. Hmm. And I just I feel like uh, I don't know I'm really into voodoo as far as uh, movies go and things like that and I think he did a really really good job even though the book it was adapted from was, was more uh, like straight face than the movie. Hmm. But I, I, yeah. I would say that to me was like one of the highlights of his career once he actually was able to work with a bigger budget. Cool, that's I, a good movie. Yeah, I was going to say I've not, um, I've not seen Serpent and the Rainbow since I saw it on VHS back in the probably late eighties or early nineties. So I don't remember that much about it. But uh, um, he's, he had a reputation, didn't he, of um, producing a really good film, directing a really good film, and then directing a not so good film. Or a film which maybe could be uh, reappreciated, like we did with like uh, the Hills of Ice Part Two, um, <laughs> a bit later down the line, but maybe for the slightly wrong reasons. Um, sorry, Nathan, were you going to say something? Oh no, no. I mean, I was just agreeing. 
Okay. Okay. What What about you, Joseph? Well, for me, it's like uh, it's just a couple of events uh, that really, you know, ingrained the West Craven name into my brain. Uh, well, I mean, before I get into that, you know, maybe other people knew, but I didn't even know he was sick when he died. You know, it just so it just it was just kind of a big shock to me. I was like, what? So it was kind of sad, you know, because I, I didn't even know. But anyway, no, I don't want to, you know, get into a dark place. But anyway, um, for me, it's always going to be The Hills Have Eyes because, um, you know, that that was the very first, uh, you know, horror or slasher film I ever saw, like in 83 or it might have been 84. I don't remember. But uh, so, you know, that's really what got me into the genre, just being plopped down in front of a television and, you know, allowed to watch that at such a young age. And, you know, I haven't turned back since the other. I mean, the other is pretty obvious. Uh, it's a I'd say more so Scream 2 than Scream 1. I mean, Scream 1 is one that I, you know, that brought Wes Craven back and I loved it. So uh, Scream 2 became such an event because the first Scream was so, uh, you know, successful that, you know, I was just kind of, you know, antsy for it and just kind of jonesing and like so ready to go see it. And then when um, they released it at a midnight screening, uh, you know, before the actual Friday it was to be released, you know, me and my brother and my two cousins went to see it at a midnight screening at a, a kind of a small theater. And, uh, the, like the, the entire, like news crews were there just filming the event. And there was like 50 or 60 people just dressed up as ghost face, almost like the, you know, it's like a lot like the opening scene in scream too. So for me, it was just that event just kind of, you know, ingrained in my memory that, you know, uh, that gave, you know, gave Wes Craven his good name, you know, and certainly a lot of his other films, you know, even films like, you know, Deadly Friend, which is not very, you know, well appreciated. I liked a lot. And I watched Shocker again recently. I saw that at the theater when it came out. And that was the last time I saw it. I watched it again recently. It's not really held up well at all. But, you know, on a kind of a campy level, I enjoyed it. But, you know, he, he certainly had, you know, some misses. But, you know, you can't deny that, you know, he, he pretty much kickstarted a lot of, you know, big things with a Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream. So, I mean, it's a shame he's dead, but uh, I guess his legend will live on. Well, absolutely, yes. I mean, I didn't know that he was he was ill, um, but um, certainly because obviously the Scream TV series was was out and it's only just recently finished. So, um, I I knew that. I mean, presumably Scream Four was his kind of di- di- directorial um, kind of swan song, really, wasn't it? Yeah. And that was a few few years back, but um, but he was also he kind of came across as you know quite uh, a bit like John Carpenter, kind of like a, a very cultured man, but um, with a genuine interest in in horror um, and sort of the dark side and, and things like that. So although he he very probably got pigeonholed into horror, he didn't seem to resent it. Um, and he actually when he was on Twitter, he seemed to actually quite revel in his reputation. So. Um, so I think he would. Um, sorry, uh, Garage Band just crapped out there for a second. But uh, yeah, I was just summing up basically about Wes Craven and saying, you know, it's very sad that he's no longer with us. But um, as Joseph said, um, you know, uh, he's still his his work will live on. Um, I'm curious about something. Yeah. Like I'm curious what each of you think his most underrated film is. Hmm. For me, it's The People Under the Stairs. I, I love that movie so much, but I don't think it gets anywhere near the attention it deserves. I would agree with that. You know, the people under the stairs always gave me kind of, uh, I mean, maybe I'm alone in this, but it gave me kind of a, a, the Burbs vibe, sort of more horror. Uh, so I really enjoyed it a lot. 
Yeah. I, it's a really excellent movie. Like I, I really, really appreciated that movie. Mm, mm. But I think his most underappreciated one is uh, Invitation to Hell. The uh, it's it's a made-for-TV movie he did. Where, Susan Lucci. Yeah, yeah. Where she's uh, it's like a health club where people are going and becoming like possessed. <laughs> and I haven't seen it in years, but I remember it being a lot of fun. And it is. And I never really hear people mention it. Which is the one he did with the the Frozen one, where people get frozen. Is that one right? Is that one? Is that one okay? Where they go into that like weird thing at the, in the back of the health spa? Yeah, I haven't seen it for years either. There's a lot of these films actually. In some ways, it's kind of uh, reignited my interest in some of his his back, back work because I know uh, People Under the Stairs has got a, a new release, hasn't it, on Screen Factory? Um, so I need to recheck, maybe go back and check some of his um, some of the films uh, that he's not really seen, and hopefully, you know, now. Now that he's no longer with us, it gives us a bit of um, a distance and sort of some hindsight. So, yeah, yeah, look forward to checking those out. So, but if you, um, dear listener, have any um, any strong feelings or just want to let let us know um, any any thoughts about Wes Craven and uh, some of his favourite films for you, then obviously do get in contact with us, and we'll be giving the contact details out a little bit later. So, is there anything else we wanted to say, or should we move move on? I say we should move on. Music of the heart. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to move now on to our feature of the week, uh, controversial pick. And I think, Joseph, you're going to come in afterwards, aren't you? Yeah. The intro. Fine. Okay, well, here is a trailer for 1984's The Terminator. In the 21st century, a weapon will be invented like no other. This weapon will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity, no remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose, to return to the present and prevent the future. This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. What day is it? The date? 12th, May, Thursday. What year? Assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Why does it want me? Why me? Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. Your future is in its hands. In the year of darkness, 2029, the rulers of this planet devise the ultimate plan. They will reshape the future by changing the past. The plan requires something that feels no pity, no pain, no fear. They create the Terminator. A brilliant flash of light and an ear-splitting explosion mark the arrival of the Terminator. A cyborg, part man, part machine, 
sent to present-day Earth from the future on a deadly mission. His task, to kill a young woman whose life will have a great significance in the decades to come. The mechanical monster from the future leaves behind him an unspeakable path of destruction. Nothing can stop the horrific Terminator. Okay, that was from the Thorn EMI uh, VHS release all the way back in 84, 85. Um, the Terminator is a film uh, I pretty much grew up with, so I it, it holds a very special place in my heart. Um, you know, after seeing it, you know, a million times, it, maybe it's lost a little bit of, uh, I guess, resonance, uh, but not a whole lot. I mean, it's like, kind of like, a, you know, if someone likes Halloween so much, I'm sure they've seen it a lot. So, you know, they can kind of quote it verbatim. I'm the same way with the Terminator. But, you know, that being said, it's still a, uh, a very significant film to me. Um, is it a slasher? No, um, but it does have a lot of those uh you know, tropes uh, thrown in. And even uh, someone like James Cameron's original uh, intention was to create just this typical stalker horror film that kind of uh, critics saw more as a sci-fi film, which was not his intention. But, uh, you know, there's a good balance there. And, you know, he just kind of went with it and kind of, I guess he got appreciated from his uh, kind of expertise at action sci-fi stuff. So he kind of made a career out of that. But um, anyway... Uh, I really love the Terminator. I think uh, of all the Terminator films I've seen, which are all except for the one with uh, Christian Bale. I haven't seen that one. Uh, this is obviously the best. Um, I, I honestly don't really care for any of the other ones. I mean, Terminator 2 is it's a good action movie, but it's not something I'm crazy about like everyone else is. Um, the, the latest Terminator uh, I thought was really silly. Uh, certainly not a patch on this, but it, just this first one is just, it's its own kind of closed loop story. It's all kind of self-contained, uh, you know, sci- I wouldn't say psycho, but, you know, unstoppable killing force from the future comes back and stalks a young woman. And that's pretty much, you know, the gist of the story. I mean, there is the whole, uh, uh, she's going to give birth to the future leader of a resistance kind of, ba- you know, backstory, but it's mostly just her running up from this kind of, unstoppable killing machine and it you know it does that very well there's lots of good you know tense chase scenes and i think that's you know perfectly underscored you know by the uh electronic score uh i'm not going to you know get into the debate of whether you know arnold schwarzenegger is a good actor or not i think he is especially after seeing films like maggie but uh you know for the terminator this is the role he was born to play just uh you know very few lines just looking you know formidable uh unstoppable uh, and, you know, quite frankly, I think he's very scary here. And I think uh, that's what really makes the Terminator, you know, the first film anyway, you know, such a, you know, such a wonder is because it really is kind of kind of frightening because, it you know, it doesn't rely on, you know, you know, ha ha comedy, you know, like the later films does. It's just it's straightforward thrills. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's what gives it that punch, as it were. Um, I kind of have a, I kind of have a feeling, I know where Nathan's going to land on this, but I'm not really sure what, uh, Justin or Johnny, Johnny's thoughts are on this. Or so, Eric. Uh, or, or Eric. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> too sure about Eric, but, um, we'll start with, uh, Johnny as our guest. What did you think of the Terminator? I mean, I've, I've always really liked the Terminator. Um, I definitely lean more toward the sci-fi action than the horror, even though there's a lot of stalking, um, you know, for a smart futuristic machine he goes through a lot of sarah connor's before he makes the right choice um but it's it's a it's a really good movie and as like you were saying before i i the sequel is decent but everything after part two just really didn't do anything for me 
Um, but this is this is pretty much the role that Arnold was made for because he's just a big hulking mass with no expression on his face and just going around and, and wasting everybody. The movie, though, I mean, it, the reason I think uh, Cameron got so kind of thrown into the sci-fi realm is because, you know, we have robots and time travel. <laughs> and right. People are going to, they're going to, they're going to see that more than they're going to see the stalking a woman aspect. But I mean, I like the Terminator. I don't really see it as, as much of a horror movie, but uh, I definitely, it's, it's definitely a movie that it's pretty straightforward. I don't feel like it has too much to think about. And uh, overall, I mean, I like the movie. Okay, cool. Uh, Justin, what about you? Um, yeah, I, I've always loved The Terminator. I think it's a great, great movie. It's, um, uh, I mean, it was made in 1984, and it definitely looks... It's a, it's an archetypical uh, 80s action movie. Whether or not it's a horror movie, I don't think it is a horror movie. Um, but uh, I think it's interesting that I didn't realise, actually, until I did some digging on this, and we can talk a little bit more about it later, that James... Basically, The Terminator was inspired by the slasher movie essentially james um james cameron was inspired by john carpenter's halloween um and he said most of his contemporaries were making slasher movies and this was his probably his attempt like a lot of other um you know whether if he'd made the terminator i think it started i think it started its gestation around 1982 but if he'd made it started making it in 1980 whether or not it'd been more of a slasher movie but so so there definitely are those elements there but it turns into an action movie, uh, you know. So the stalking elements are are at the forefront, but it's it never really becomes a horror movie. I mean, it, it's kind of a horror movie in a kind of Kafkaesque kind of way. In so much it's and you know, so the woman's thrown her her life is completely turned upside down. Everything she knows is completely destroyed, and including her own family and friends. And she's thrown into this nightmare and this kind of you know this. It, so there there is that kind of Kafkaesque nightmare in in it but in itself it's the it's the action um uh comes to the forefront i mean arnie is is perfect for the terminator because because of his you know hulking you know his his visage and what he does but um and his uh lack of thespian skills at the time um or perhaps maybe he was you know being very clever in the way he's playing it actually worked to his advantage so I, you know, I, I was watching it with somebody who was just kind of, you know, just doing chores and stuff, but they actually stopped and started watching. When it gets to, to the, the action-filled second half, um, it's it's very easy to get seduced by it. That You know, it, it's just very, very well-made film, um, and it ticks all the boxes, and I can see why it was such a big success. Um, and again, with the, the later films, I haven't seen Terminator 2 for a while, and I remember liking that. I remember going to see that at the cinema. Um, but the subsequent ones haven't really, you know, I, I can't really remember much about them, to be honest. So, and I haven't seen the new Terminator Genesis, isn't it? I haven't seen seen that. And I think I'll, I'll catch it when it comes out on Blu-ray or something at some point. But I've no great craving to watch it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a fun film. Um, I, I think it's interesting that it actually, it's Genesis is, it was from the slasher movie. But I don't think it is a slasher movie Um but uh, but yeah, it's an interesting choice for the podcast. Well, one thing I want to mention for uh, I let Nathan give his tuppence was that I think another reason why I like this film so much is because of Linda Hamilton and she's playing this kind of 
vulnerable vulnerable role here whereas in the sequel she's just this you know it's kind of like like we discussed with alien and aliens whereas ripley was kind of vulnerable in the first film and she became a badass in the second film that that's what linda hamilton is here and i i really like you know i like vulnerability in my kind of quote-unquote final girls so uh I, i think that's another reason why this you know film resonates with me so strongly but anyway uh nathan um, I think that the Terminator is a great sci-fi action movie. Um, you know, I mean, I kind of agree with what you guys have said already. I, I really loved the scene where, uh, Sarah first sees the Terminator. I thought like everything about that scene, the, the, the way it was done, I thought was, was awesome. Um, um, I love the idea of him going to the wrong Sarah Connor's houses um, I felt kind of bad for them. You know, they just kind of got born with the wrong name. Mm. You know, it's, that's a shame. I couldn't help but wonder why couldn't they have sent the Terminator back when Sarah Connor's son was like a little kid? Wouldn't he have been, wouldn't that have been easier? Yeah. Like, that's kill him as a kid. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they should have done that to begin with, but no, in the sequel, he was <laughs> a little older. I'm talking like, uh, like an elementary school age. You would think that would have just been easier for them. Yeah, just give him some marbles and he just choked to death. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't have to do anything, really. Well, I was reading a, I was reading a kind of a funny thing where someone said that they should just send the Terminator back to like the old west and just kill their ancestors because they had no no weaponry whatsoever back then. There you go. That's that was an even better idea. (laughs) But then you're getting into the whole uh, it it always happened kind of paradox thing. So, but yeah, I would just send the Terminator back to the beginning of time or something. And I agree with Joseph. I liked Linda Hamilton better in this one than in the sequel. In the sequel, I know they were playing up the tough, you know, like Joseph said, badass kind of uh, final girl. But to me, it was almost a caricature instead of like looking at a real human being. When in part one, I felt like Sarah Connor felt like a real human being. Yeah, she's so, just this kind of young waitress who just gets. Yeah, I mean, she in the second film, she's prepared, so it's yeah. there's not there's not a lot of suspense there. This she's just this kind of timid waitress who just gets thrown into this in the blink of an eye, and that that really you know amps up the suspense. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean, uh, like I said, I, I like the movie, so I mean, it's not that I dislike it. I just you know I wasn't looking forward to it as a podcast choice, is all. <laughs> I mean, I did think. What did you think about the special effects? Do you think they, um, uh, you know, they they look, you know, quite a lot of them look quite fake now. They're I like the him cutting his arm when he mm. he was like uh, opening his arm up. I like that scene. Yeah, I'm I like, what? I'm, I'm a fan of practical effects, um, but sometimes we talked about this a lot. Um, that when you see things in high definition now, things that looked pretty good on vhs because everything is a little bit blurry now with that high definition it's the the fake heads of arnie still looks good i can appreciate the artistry but it um it does take me out a little bit of the of the scene just purely because you you're thinking i'm looking at a fake head yeah i uh just to prepare for this show i mean i've seen the film a million times but just to prepare i I downloaded a vhs rip just to kind of you know get a a sense of what the effects were before high definition. They mm. definitely look better on kind of a splotchy VHS, but when you watch it, like say like a Blu-ray rip and you see the, the, the chinks in the armor, as it were, uh, it doesn't really lend it any favors. I mean, it's still good and very impressive for, you know, the time period, but uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. 
and also of course we um mentioned there were a couple of other sort of uh become um staples of uh the, the um Jim, uh, james cameron's films there's bill paxton so kind of cameo isn't it the punk He's end, hilarious, which is funny, um, and obviously Michael Bean as well, which was I know it, it, he spelled how do you pronounce his last name? Is it Bean? Bean, oh, yeah, Michael Bean. Bean. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought he was good, really good in this. I mean, it's quite a difficult role to pull off, really, isn't it? Because he uh, and again, I was reading some backgrounds, sort of saying they really struggled to find a, somebody who could play the kind of tough guy character, but could fall in love and die all within you know ninety minutes. Um, but uh, I, I like him as an actor. I think he's he's you know really good in this he's got really expressive eyes i think i think that really sells kind of a you know humanity as it were mm, mm. which kind of ties into this film because it's about you know the future of humanity so mm. i mean i thought I how, you... how awkward the conversation was between him and john connor in the future about i am gonna have to go back and nail your mom just saying <laughs> he didn't know i mean he just got sent back to protect her i don't think he actually knew he was gonna you know impregnate her <laughs> It's kind of like the Terminator. Um, basically, he goes back and kills a bunch of different Sarah Connors. I don't think he had. I think there was a mention, like from Reese. He says uh, the the records were destroyed during the war, and the only thing they knew was the name and where she lived. So I think that's pretty much why he kills the other Sarah Connors, just kind of, you know, cover his bases. Yeah, the future uh, that didn't look, makes sense. Yeah, the future didn't look. Uh... <laughs> Oh, sorry about that. Another little technical mishap, but um, we are back. So, yes. Oh, you got to um, love Skype. Got to love Skype. Well, it's not actually Skype this time. It's, it's my, GarageBand. Our GarageBand, Garage yeah. yes. I, my Mac is hopefully not about to give up a ghost. So, um, how about, should we listen to what Eric thought of the movie? Yes, yeah. we should. Um, and Eric has sent in this little sound clip from his Turkish prison. We smuggled out. Um <laughs> Somebody smuggled it somewhere unmentionable, and they got it to us. And this is Eric's thoughts on the Terminator. Yo, turn this dope jam up, you motherfucker. <gasps> Sorry I can't be there, but I'll see you later. So here are my thoughts on the Terminator. It starts out, oh, so very rude, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he's in the nude. Not a horror film by any means. Is it a slasher movie only in your dreams? I first saw this movie in the 1980s. First impressions say it's not so great, eh? Cyborg killing people is lots of fun Shooting loads of Sarah Connors with a gun Linda Hamilton's acting is kind of fair But I like her most for her big 80s hair I saw this on the big screen not so long ago And the special effects, they made me shout out Whoa, they hadn't aged well And they look kind of phony And the time travel plot was a load of baloney I like James Cameron, I really do. The Abyss and Aliens and those lies are true. But something about this series is be kind of cold. And I know that statement is kind of bold. I've seen each installment and thought each was okay. Even Edward Furlong and his floppy fringe so gay. But for repeat viewings, I have no intention. Because durations are too long to hold my attention. La, 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 la. Grinds to a halt whenever we meet Reese. His lovey dovey stuff is pure cinema cheese. I want more robots and spaceship action and less about Sarah and her research action. You know what I'm saying, homo, uh, homies. The 
film ends well with a blistering pace Arnie's robot dude and he loses his face The chase in the factory is kind of ace But it's not as good as Blood and Black Lace I mentioned that movie cause it gave me a rhyme Cause I'm writing this jam on limited time No chance for me to think about the cyborg destroyer Cause I'm too busy dancing around to Toya Hear this podcast veering off our course. I see us Terminator. What next, Inspector Morse? I'm gonna have to kill you all with potato masher if you don't get back on track with the slasher. So to sum up, here's my final view. I don't think Terminator's a pile of poo, but I hope that I will not be terminated when I admit to you all I think it's overrated. Oh my goodness. My goodness. He just won the podcast. Yes, that was amazing. We might as well just end the episode right now. (laughs) Oh, Eric, so upstaging us from Turkey. I Um, demand that Eric writes raps in the future for every one of his reviews, because I want to hear what he'd do for Aerobicide. (laughs) Yes, which you just let the uh, cat out of the bag, haven't you? (gasps) Um, Can I ask a question? Mm. I was listening to every word he said, and I'm pretty sure he said the Terminator shooting loads at Sarah Connor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I knew I, I heard, heard it. <laughs> okay, I heard so that too. Sure. <laughs> oh, Eric. Oh. I mean, obviously, listening to Toya is very far-fetched. So, um, <laughs> but <laughs> thank you, Eric. Um, and uh, we've got vanilla one. Eric. Vanilla Eric. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> he sounded like I don't know if you ever there was a nineties um, kind of uh, band called Carter, the Unstoppable Sex Machine. And he reminded me of uh, of them rather than 50... More, less, it's kind of slightly more them than 50 Cent, I must be said. I'm going to start calling Eric Informer. <laughs> Informer. <laughs> well, see, Eric can, uh, you know, he's... Uh, he's still part of the show. So, and hopefully he'll be he with us in person. Made it, he did make really good points in there. Mm. Um, number one, of course, we've already made the point about how we feel about this being a slasher or a horror movie for that matter. And and I knew Eric was going to say stuff about that because he always does. But he also made the point about the newer movies because you guys know like Terminator is about like an hour and 45 minutes, an hour and 40 minutes, something like that. Mm. If Terminator was made today, it would be like two and a half hours long. Mm. And mm-hmm. I just I, I can't. That's why I can't do like a lot of the movies uh, today, uh, like the action and stuff, because they're so long. Well, some action movies they kind of lend themselves to having, uh, you know, long running times. But you know, a film like The Terminator or a slasher film in general, I think they sit well at ninety or below. They sit, yeah, ninety minutes or below. I think that's the perfect running time for them. I think it's very difficult to sustain that level. You know, without the, it's a bit like the the Mad Max movie recently that it was so full on with so little downtime. That- well, it's just that you know, you know, slasher films by definition are just like roller coaster rides. You know, you get in, you get thrilled, and then you you get out. That I think that's why they they work so well. At, you know, short running times. Mm. You know, a lot of the action movies or even the sci-fi they have they rely more on uh, you know story and backstory to kind of explain their you know their pseudoscience or you know the big action set pieces or the the bad guys and motivations etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm. so you know i can understand having a long running time but uh, yeah but anyway yeah that's what i'm saying is i agree with eric there well eric's um, well, correct but i i feel like um you know if the action's good he wouldn't mind it being long <laughs> <laughs> no you know the famous brilliant film fatal frames was had a long running time that's an exception right there. That movie's okay. so goofy. That's a movie so goofy that it, it deserves its long running time. 
Yeah. I mean, would y'all watch Pieces for two hours? Yes. Oh, I would. Oh, yeah. I would too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One more What's thing about um, Terminator that I, I uh, forgot to mention earlier is I, I really love the uh, the small acting spot with Dick Miller. Oh yeah. I just the pawn shop scene. I just I love Dick Miller. And I just I thought that was a really good scene. <laughs> May close early today. Yeah, you're definitely closing early today. <laughs> <laughs> I would, you know, I, I Eric makes some uh, very good points. But I was one thing I was going to mention. You know, we're talking about. Um, I, I when I was watching, talk about the whole slasher thing, and we've already talked about that. But there's a scene in it where I think Cameron uh, James Cameron is directly um, uh, referencing Halloween, and that's where Arnie sits up. Do you remember that scene where he kind of he just sort of sits up slowly, maybe behind? Yeah, he, d- they does, he does it a couple times, doesn't he? I mean, there's one when Ray shoots him in uh, Tech Noir and he goes out the window and he's laying on the concrete and he just kind of slowly raises up. That's a very uh, Carpenter moment, it's I thought. Very Michael Myers, isn't it? So um, yeah, so it's kind of underneath all of it. As I say, there is that kind of slasher framework, but uh, uh, say certainly by 1984 they were looking for different ways to. Um, you know, they they still want they they knew that the slasher movie works, but they were looking for ways to to do different things with it. And obviously, this film um, is not a slasher movie, but it does have those those kind of uh, those kind of tropes and things sort of under the surface. So I think that's why potentially it's quite hopefully for uh, the listeners who are, are, want to listen to a slasher movie podcast that it's interesting to hear us discuss a, a non-slasher movie with slasher movie undertones. Um, is there anything else you want to say about it before we get onto a bit of background? Uh, just to say that I'm probably the one who liked it the most on the show today. Uh, it's it's kind of like Evil Dead 2. It's one of those movies I grew up with, so it's always going to have a special place in my heart. I am glad. It's not a slasher film at all. It does have those moments, but I'm glad we actually covered it. Cool. Okay. Uh, what about you, Johnny and Nathan? Any closing thoughts? All i got to say is get to the chopper. <laughs> Wrong movie. And also, you, you, I think you know, you know this what this is the is. second Arnold movie I've been on the show for. <laughs> yeah, that's that's strange. I was going to say I was going to say to Nathan, "chopper" is a is a is a slang word in the UK for something else. Well, oh, what, Johnny, what? what? Hmm? Penis. No, go ahead. Yeah, chopper you, you penis. The question now. No penis. Like, so Arnold's saying, "Get to the penis." Exactly. Yes, he is. <laughs> They should just dub him over with that. <laughs> John, Johnny, are you going to join us when we cover Kindergarten Cop? <laughs> hey, only, it's you, got... You know what? Only, only if you do a double feature with the sequel they're making right now with Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> yeah, i got to see that. I've got to. <laughs> right. Well, should we do some backgrounds? Um, Joseph, have you got anything you want to... Yeah, I mean, film? there's so much that, you know, already been said about The Terminator since it's one of those big event movies, so... I just picked out the kind of the I cherry picked a little bit and I'll just kind of run run through these real quick. Um, let's see. O.J. Simpson was considered for the Terminator, uh, but, the, <laughs> but they're but glad the, they didn't do it now. But the producers feared he was "quote unquote" too nice to be taken seriously as a cold blooded oh, killer. Irony. Uh, in, in 1990, before Simpson's first trial, uh, Dark Horse Comics printed issues using his likeness. So in a way, he did become the Terminator. And more ways than one, actually. Um, uh, let's see. Arnold Schwarzenegger originally wanted to play Kyle Reese, but uh, James Cameron had a different idea and saw Schwarzenegger in the uh, title role instead. Uh, he's quoted as saying, this movie is not about the hero, it's about the Terminator. And 
Arnold Schwarzenegger's famous debut line, I'll be back, was originally scripted as I'll come back. Okay. <laughs> that would be really bad if that came back in the sequels. I'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in James Cameron's original treatment, uh, and this kind of plays into the whole, uh, you know, him not really knowing anything except the name. Uh, Sarah Connor apparently had an old figure skating injury that was fixed with a couple of surgical pins. And then the Terminator would basically cut the legs open of the first two Sarahs to find uh, the identifying mark. But they felt that, you know, it's better, you know, left uh, up to where he's just killing someone with a name just to cover his bases. Uh, infamously, uh, science fiction author Harlan Ellison ended up suing James Cameron, claiming that the film was plagiarized from the from two of his Outer Limits episodes, uh, both of which I've seen. Uh that, that Ellison wrote, uh, namely The Outer Limits Soldier and The Outer Limits Demon with a Glass Hand. Uh, I did watch those just to kind of see if he had any kind of basis there. Uh, it's very, very, very tenuous. Uh, it could just have been a coincidence that, you know, the Terminator had, you know, elements that, you know, were sim- similar. So I don't really think he had a whole lot of ground on suing, but apparently he did win. Uh, because uh, the producers pressured James Cameron to settle because uh, because of the low budget. Um, they told him that, you know, if he were to lose in court, he would be responsible for the financial damages. So uh, he had no choice but to accept settlement, and it's a fact that he's always kind of resented. Uh, Ellison did get, end up getting a credit in the film. Let's see. Tom Selleck was rumored to be cast as the Terminator, but he was forced <laughs> – he was forced to turn the role down due to his commitment to the TV series Magnum P.I. Uh, uh, Kevin Klein and Michael Douglas were also considered at one point. So and, weird. Yeah, it's kind of strange. The uh, Finally, this is the last one I got. The original treatment by James Cameron included the detail that the Terminator needed to eat periodically in order for his human flesh to survive. Uh, in, the, in one of the scripts, there's a scene that's included where – the Terminator eats a candy bar, a wrapper and all. Uh, I think this detail was later incorporated into the script for Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, uh, with the Terminator selecting Arnold Schwarzenegger's favorite Austrian chocolate wafer. Uh, But when fans learned that a scene had been shot where the Terminator ate chocolate, the reaction was overwhelmingly negative and the scene was omitted. And uh, that's pretty much all I have for the Terminator. Cool. Okay. Uh, Johnny, have you got anything? Not really. I just, uh, there are a lot of things that Joseph mentioned that I just, in my mind, I wonder how they would have played out. Like if Arnold was Kyle Reese, how big would the person playing the Terminator have to be? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be, that'd be interesting. Um, Nathan, how about you? Anything? No. No. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I've got a few bits. It was the, I think the, the film was in gestation from about 1982, uh, it got. It was going to be shot in 1983, but it got delayed. I think because Arnie was on working on Conan the Barbarian, so it was delayed until I think it was shot in uh, Los Angeles. I think in March 1984. I think it was Conan the Destroyer, actually. Oh, was it? Okay, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and um, it was. I think it was released theatri- theatrically in the states in about November 1984. Uh, one of the things I found interesting that I was looking at uh, Variety was that the film was a very big success. I think it made something like $78 million, the box office, which adjusted to the day's money would be 
um, you know, 200 million, I think, or it would be, it would be a lot of money, um, was that the film was so successful that um, they, they were going to reunite the cast for a, uh, for a sequel to be made in 1985. Um, I'm not really sure why that didn't happen, but um, obviously I don't. The sequel came out was it 91 or 92, wasn't it? 91. Yeah. So for so some reason they didn't make the sequel until until then. Um, I think maybe uh, kind of Aliens uh, was um, kind of took over priority, perhaps. Um, what else? They're probably I mean? waiting for Guns N' Roses to write a sweet ass song for the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing on Wikipedia, and of course I don't know how how true this is but i alluded it to earlier it said that um um james cameron is quoted saying my contemporaries are all doing slasher horror movies and um, john carpenter's the guy i idolized the most he made halloween for thirty thousand dollars or something that was everyone's break-in dream to do a stylish horror movie um uh, and he said that it, the the idea of the terminator came to him in a in a, a nightmare and he said cameron's nightmare was very sla- was a very slasher film type image um uh, and it was the launching pad of the story. Now, I also heard that uh, neither Michael Bean or Arnie were particularly enamoured, or until they started working on the film, neither of them actually were that interested in doing the film. I think even Arnie was quite dismissive, and Michael Bean thought the story was a bit silly. But it wasn't until they met James Cameron and saw how, you know, what kind of artist he was, because ultimately the only thing he'd done before this was um, Piranha 2 The, the Spawning. Which, and the flying piranha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is a fun film. I love that movie. It's a fun film, but if you were about to st- make a movie with James Cameron in 1984 and you watched uh, Piranha 2, you might be a bit, mm, I'm not really sure if this guy is the next, you know, sort of big action director. So, But I think they kind of came around pretty quickly uh, with, with, with it. So uh, um, uh, I think the, the other thing was I think he was, James Cameron was originally wanted to have two Terminators and one of them would be kind of liquid style Terminator which obviously they did in the sequel in 1991 because that was the I remember when the sequel came out people were amazed by the CGI weren't they um, of that of that film you know and it was, still holds up fairly well today yeah no it does it does so so but yeah so that's all the kind of background I think I've got uh, just yeah. I thought I'd run through just a couple of these uh, Facebook comments real quick yeah, that'd be good uh, this is, you know, in reference to Terminator. Dylan Brown says, I always thought of the Terminator as a slasher with a robot and Aliens as a zombie movie in space. Uh, anyone ever seen zombies? The beginning, Bruno Mattei was reading my mind. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Dylan. Uh, Rob Doyle says, uh, the Terminator is not a slasher film. However, it does share slasher elements. Girl being chased by hulking unstoppable force. The last girl and the fake outs when you think she's finally stopped the Terminator. Interested to hear the gang's thoughts on this. Thank you, Rob. Let's see. Michael's brother, Ara Alishan, says it's hard to believe that a franchise that began with such a fine piece of cinema could have devolved into into such a steaming pile of shit with its last three entries. Regardless, nothing can take away from the quality of the first two films. The Terminator is as good as it gets. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Let's see. Thank you, Ara. Let's see. Bob Hartshorn says, I still like the Terminator, but I've certainly never considered it a slasher. It's fair to say there are traces of the subgenre in the slaying of the Sarah Connor's passage, but the rest is pure action, sci-fi, chase, shoot 'em up. A bit too t- tenuous, to be honest, lads, but interesting that Lars Peterson mentions The Guest, awesome movie, by the way, as it does share some Terminator DNA. Uh, thank you, Bob. Let's see. Uh, David 
person says Terminator is not a slasher, but it's a great film and Cameron's best film. I actually love that y'all are willing to discuss all kinds of films with slasher elements. I would even love to see films like Body Double and even Clue discussed one day for a controversial pick. Uh, thank you, David. Let's see who else. Matt Mentor says, I watched The Terminator recently after not having seen it since I was a kid. Still managed to invoke all the stress and nervous tension it gave me as a child. The impending inescapable doom imposed on the main characters has probably pulled off more successfully than any true slasher from that time. I wouldn't agree with him there, but thank you anyway. Uh, let's see. And then Matt Bradshaw writes, I recently revisited this one on Blu-ray. It has aged extremely well. Everyone got so crazy for T2 that I think a lot of folks have forgotten just how great the original is. Uh, let's see. Uh, Scott, Pl- Scott, Scott Pliskin says, The first is definitely the best. I like how it's a perfect circle of the past affects the future. The future affects the past. That's the whole predestination paradox there. And then Jenny, Ham- Jenny Hall Cameron says, It's my favorite romance movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Excellent. Well, thanks for all that feedback. Um, that's, uh, you know, it's, I think it's a really good way for us to do that on Facebook, isn't it, to put up a discussion point because then we get a lot of short, snappy feedback, although we do obviously enjoy long ones. Um, but um, have we got any other feedback this week? Yeah, I've got one. Okay. Do you want to, or should we, well, let's, let's save jokes, um, Eric's joke of the week, like a fine cheese. It can be, uh, not that I eat cheese, obviously, but I like a fine cheese. It can be kept and will get even more pungent, I imagine. But, Joseph, do you want to regale us with your feedback? Yeah, this is from Andrew Rooney. He says, Hi, guys. While I thought Sightseers was an odd choice, I do love that film. I must admit I was screaming at my iPod when Nathan was critiquing, critiquing the film. Oh, well. I guess the subtle I guess the subtle and very dark humor doesn't translate to America. Hey, I liked it. Um, the land where three and a half, three and a half men type humor rules, and I don't like that show. So yeah. I don't like yeah. that show either. Yeah. So anyway, he says, "Okay, Vandover. We still love you, Nathan." Let's see. We watched the night before Easter the other night, sucker, and loved it. We were cheering when the familiar names popped up in the opening credits, and then uh, finally, as he says, finally on a heartwarming note. As a very thoughtful birthday gift last Sunday, my wife ordered me a copy of Teenage Wasteland. It is a seriously good book. The VHS covers and artwork are just beautiful. The book is by far the best I've read on the topic because it is written with such care and obvious passion for the subgenre. It is, for me, the perfect coffee table book, although I won't leave it on my coffee table for visitors to get their grubby hands on. To top it off, Justin left a personal message for me along with a Polaroid of Argento, best birthday ever. And then in re- he says, in return, I have attached a picture of my pussy, Miss Moneypenny. I don't have the picture with me, but she's a British short hair. Whoever checks the email, please forward to Justin. <laughs> please send to Justin. That's funny. I believe it's either Joseph or the brown lipstick wearing Irishman. That would be me. Uh, a million thanks, guys, for the hours of entertainment, movie, and brilliant book. Not just being a lame fanboy, I seriously recommend this book to all listeners. I'm not a goth. I eat meat. I'm not particularly fond of graveyards, and I'm not a Susie fan, but the book is brilliant. Go well, and if no one has already requested, please play the cat flushing the toilet song. And that's from Andrew Rooney. Right. Well, thank you, Andrew. Especially for you, I'm glad the book found it, and I'm I'm very glad that uh, it um, has got such a good home. So I hope you and your wife enjoy it. But uh, here's a little birthday cat. He's a cat. Flushing the toilet. He's a cat. 
So indeed, well, that was a cat flush in the toilet, and um, thank you, Andrew, for writing in. I've got a, um, I did, I had an email from somebody um, about the show, and I've lost it. It's got, I've deleted it somehow, but I do. So if you have sent um, me some feedback uh, in the last couple of weeks, please do resend because um, I'm not being rude. I just kind of, I couldn't find it, but I did find one from uh, um, a listener, David, who um, has been going through and actually transcribing all of our top threes from episode one so i will forward that and see if there's a way that we can we can put that up on maybe on on facebook that's dedication yeah dedication. <laughs> he also um he also talks about uh, um he answers a question that eric may have had from um the news evil podcast and it's to do with boiling hair apparently you know when it says when they say go and boil your hair or whatever the, the thing is apparently it's about boiling hair extensions which makes them curly so now you know. Uh, hmm. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, so yeah. So our listeners are, hmm. are, are font of information, um, nice. and I expect fully expect um, Eric to come back with uh, a full head of curly hair extensions when he gets back from the Turkish prison. His so, hair will be unbelievable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I should say that uh, I actually do like a lot of British humour. I think there's a misconception there. I just feel just not in that movie. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I, it's, I say it would be incredibly boring podcast if we all agreed all the time. With me. I like when we disagree. Well, I, I'm, well, I, I should because y'all disagree with me more than <laughs> I disagree with any of you. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. Well, we've already alluded. Well, we've actually mentioned what we're going to be covering next time. But we'll, we'll uh, at the end of the show, you'll tell us what your choice is going to be from the listener picks. But um, do we have any other feedback? I think that's it. Okay. Oh, I've got one right here. Okay. It says, Dear Hysteria Continues, the day after Halloween, please cover the day after Halloween. Sincerely, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, well, maybe, that's maybe. stricken from the record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you I think it broke up there for a second. But um but here is how to uh, get in contact with the show. Be sure to search for and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at THC underscore podcast. Our voicemail is 858-233-9281. And you can email us directly at the.hysteria.continues at gmail.com. Yes, and please do get in touch and promise to try not to lose your feedback next time. But I think it's probably time for Eric's joke of the week. So... Uh, let me just, uh, here we go. It's my joke of the week. It's oh so brilliant and fantastic. So the thing I've always wondered about with Silence of the Lambs is why didn't Jodie Foster's character just go back in time and stop all the mayhem from happening? I mean, she was Kyle Reese after all, wasn't she? Kyle Reese? Clar- Clarice? Kyle Reese? Oh. Don't you play those bells, Justin. And not, I don't want to hear the tumbleweed either. That was a good joke. So, thank you, Eric. That was terrible. That that was terrible, wasn't it? That was. That's not one of Eric's better jokes. He should have went out on the rap song. Yeah. (laughs) 
he, 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 he actually he actually won the podcast then gave it back to us <laughs> yeah exactly i think he's it's now null and void yeah. I think, um... <laughs> it's like the seinfeld where george will make a joke and then the second joke he makes everybody kind of frowns upon so he starts <laughs> just leaving after the first one <laughs> <laughs> go out on a high note eric go out on that high note yes well thank you eric um that was uh yeah that was uh took a lot of thought i think but okay well we hopefully eric will be back with us uh, <coughs> we can break him out of that turkish prison uh for next time but um uh before we go nathan do you want to tell us what we're going to be covering next time and i think we're going to actually going to be on slightly firmer ground aren't we slasher wise well i've already spoiled it but let's mm. just say it involves a killer workout with a giant safety pin okay uh, and why? i'll commit a robicide mm, what could it be I think we'll have to listen to next time to find out what Nathan's mystery pick is going to be. But um, but that should be a fun one to discuss. But uh, um, Johnny, thank you for joining us. Um, where can people find you at the Kruger Nation podcast? Well, thank you all for having me. I love being on the show. Uh, the Kruger Nation, they can go to KrugerNation.com. It's on iTunes, uh, multiple podcatchers. And uh, my email is JohnnyKrug at gmail.com. And on all social media, I'm Johnny Krug. So hit, hit me up. Thanks for joining us on this ungodly hour, Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> hey, always. I'm always up for it. I mean, I, I don't mind waking up on my day off early if it means I get to talk to you guys. Excellent. Well, no, it's always Sweet. good to speak to you, Johnny, and uh, thank you ever so much for coming on the show and filling Eric's void, um, <laughs> <laughs> which many, many men have done in the past, and I'm sure many are doing in the future in that Turkish prison. But um, we will be off for some, we'll be going to be wearing lycra and jumping around with big hair next time aren't we oh yes yes so this is right up nathan's alley um so, i'm very excited excellent okay well thank you again johnny for joining us and um joseph what are we playing out with this is tony kane and the triangles playing burning in the third degree which is the song they play in technoir when the terminator's stalking sarah okay cool okay well thank you for listening to our terminator episode and um um, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. Say say goodbye to the good people. Bye. 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 I just can't wait to cover this slasher movie today. <laughs> I think if Terminator qualifies as a slasher, then Clue would too. I'm just going to have to eject Argento from the podcasting room because he's trying to chew through my very expensive microphone lead now. So I'll be back in a sec. Uh, I had to do that with Katinka to put her out. My cats are usually all right. They just meow every once in a while.